and welcome to Pause Pop, Positively Pop Culture, where we talk about things we love enthusiastically and without guilt. I'm K.W. Taylor. And I'm Carrie Gessner. And today we're going to talk about this new Amazon Prime series called Harlan Coben's Shelter. <laughs> we're going to maybe talk a little bit about Harlan Coben generally, but not, not for too, too long. Um, and then we're also going to talk about YA media, young adult media, maybe new adult media, and kind of, you know, our experience and thoughts about it. So, yeah, because yeah. technically this is a YA series, but we're not young adults. <laughs> we are not, sadly. No, <laughs> I am an older adult. <laughs> yeah, and we definitely had some thoughts about it being YA before mm -hmm. we started, and then they changed. So, mm -hmm. or at least I did. So I'm excited. Oh, I did to... too. Yeah. Okay, I'm yeah. excited to dive into this convo. But do you want to? explain the show a little bit at first yeah well it's very shorthand we have both been really into streaming adaptations of the thriller novels of american writer harlan coben i have never still read one of his books oh okay i know you read at least the stranger and you even gave me your copy i just haven't gotten to it yet oh but, did i i forgot about that yeah yeah <laughs> but like i don't think i wouldn't read them i just think yeah. he's been churning out these adaptations that he's optioned for Netflix and Amazon and um, I think a couple of other other streamers. And so it's like, well, I could read this real quick or we could just wait for the adaptation. Like there's been a ton. Stay yeah. Close, we covered that one. And Safe, which was just an original mm -hmm. that he wrote. It wasn't from one of his novels. And he's a very prolific author. And if you like mystery and thriller, He's probably a pretty good one and has like a really long bibliography. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So this is based on a new series he's working on. It's a three book series so far, Shelter, Seconds Away, and Found, which is the Mickey Bolitar series. And that spins off from his long running Myron Bolitar series about oh. Mickey's uncle, who oh. is a sports agent. I did not know that. Yeah, and that series has also been optioned for Netflix, so. Okay. So, yeah, so this is a three-book YA series, Shelter, Seconds Away, and Found. And so this is, I think that Shelter is going to be ending up based on kind of the whole series altogether, mm -hmm. but it still remains to be seen. There's three episodes out so far, and they're dropping them semi-weekly. I think that next, uh, as of this recording, we're going to probably air this after the fourth episode has dropped and then there's going to be mm -hmm. four more to round out the season in uh, up through the end of September. Cool. Yeah. So our basic premise is Mickey Bolitar, who's played by Jaden Michael. He has like this idyllic life. He's a teenager. He's a basketball player and he's got a dad, say Brad Bolitar, who again is the aforementioned Myron's brother and his mom, Kitty. And it seems as though they have been out of the country for some length of time. And they come back to the States, partially so that Mickey can play high school basketball. And very shortly in the very first episode, probably even before the credits roll, mm -hmm. the whole family is in a terrible car accident. And Brad is killed. And Kitty is left very shell-shocked and is institutionalized briefly. And even though Mickey is fine physically, he is extremely messed up emotionally. So he goes to live with 
Brad's sister, Shira, played by veteran character actress Constance <laughs> Zimmer, who is a delight. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I love her. And she's a little not very kid-friendly and stuff, but she seems to <laughs> want to be a good parental figure. She's, she's doing very, her best. She's doing her best. Her she best seems is like she's, not great. <laughs> no. She's like a lawyer, but she's also kind of like... I don't know, distractible and not all together. She wears a lot of band t-shirts and stuff. (laughs) (laughs) She also moved, like she has a practice out in Seattle and she moved back to their family home specifically to take care of Mickey. So like her life was very upended. Yeah. And she's just, she's just as much out of water as Mickey is, I think. Yes. Nobody wants to be living in a small town in New Jersey, it seems like. (laughs) But why don't you talk about who does Mickey, before we get into the mysterious stuff, Mm -hmm. Mickey getting acclimated at school and he meets some interesting (laughs) characters. So tell us about his sidekicks. They're very interesting. The first person he meets is Arthur Spindell. And he is he is on like the welcoming committee for the school or something. Mm -hmm. And he shows up outside Mickey's house on the first day of school and is like, hi. (laughs) and mickey's like no i don't want to walk to school with you (laughs) and arthur takes it very well but then like a bit into the episode when mickey has forgotten his name and also we have forgotten his name as the audience members (laughs) arthur's like just call me spoon i want to be called spoon so everyone (laughs) immediately starts calling him spoon and that's pretty great yeah But Spoon is very interesting. He knows a lot of facts that are kind of useless. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. He's just very enthusiastic as well, Mm -hmm. which sort of balances out Mickey's sullenness a little bit. Mm -hmm. And then we have Ema played by, oh, sorry. Spoon is played by Adrian Greensmith. Mm -hmm. And then we have Ema played by Abby Corrigan. And she's a goth girl. (laughs) (laughs) apparently she's much like kw in her youth (laughs) (laughs) not now i will say she her hair is pretty bad in my opinion so i had much i had much better hair (laughs) during that phase (laughs) that's good to know (laughs) but she's a loner and she doesn't really have any friends by choice and mickey just sits at her table at lunch one day because he doesn't really have any friends and spoon comes along And they sort of drag her into their friend group, especially when mysterious things start happening. And then Ima also becomes invested. Just she wants to know what's going on and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And then there, there are some other people in the high school. Well, students. So there's Ashley. And Ashley is played by Samantha Bugliaro. And she is sort of the central mystery as far as right now, because mm-hmm. she shows up on the first day. She's also new. She and Mickey hit it off. He really likes her. They make plans to meet up after school just to hang out and be friends. And, you know, they really connected. And she never shows up at the diner. Mm-hmm. So he gets very curious and worried But there are also, like, we see some glimpses of strange things going on with her. She gets sort of pressured into trying out for the cheerleading squad, 
by Rachel, played by Sage Linder. And Rachel pops up a little bit later. But at one point when Ashley is getting ready for the tryouts, she opens her duffel bag and we see a gun. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, wait, what? <laughs> Very su- sh- surprising moment. So you know that some weird stuff is going on. And then mm-hmm. when she goes missing, everything kind of starts to unravel. Mm-hmm. And then there's Rachel, who is a popular kid. She's a cheerleader. Um, she's dating Troy, played by Brian Ultimus. And Troy is the kid of like a a cop. And his parents are involved, sort of, or at least they know the Bolitars, and there's some weird, weird blood going on there, I think. <laughs> <laughs> but Rachel sort of becomes involved in all this going on, too. And I don't know, like, how, how she's involved yet, but I guess we'll we'll get to that. But, yeah, I'm sort of rambling at this point. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> No, but that's that's sort of the central school mystery is what happened to yeah. Ashley. And I knew something was wrong when Mickey is texting her at the diner and they both had iPhones and it was doing the blue texting. And then oh. suddenly his text to her turned green. You know what? And that is... <laughs> what does that mean? Because I noticed that and I was like, that's weird. But I don't have an iPhone, so I don't know what that means. Well, if you if the two people that, that are texting or more than two both have iPhones or all have iPhones, your texts are going to be sent in something called iMessage and they're blue. But if you're texting someone who has an Android or some other type of phone, it's going to be green because they're sent as SMS instead of oh. iMessage, which okay. seems to indicate that her phone was turned off or broken. Okay. And it's not going all the way through, basically. And I was like, ooh. And sometimes sometimes if somebody is like out of good, like 5G range or whatever, Mm -hmm. they'll be green and they'll still get them. But it's not – it's a good indication that something is amiss with someone's connectivity. Good to know. Yeah. Also, for for the listeners, I watched all three episodes that dropped last night – and KW has watched two so far. Yes. So some <laughs> some of this might be me trying not to say stuff that happened in episode three. Yes, but we'll see yes. what happens. <laughs> uh, we'll see how well I do. We'll see. We'll see. I don't mind being a little bit spoiled. but And then meanwhile, there's another mystery going on that's sort of town-wide. That there is this weird, creepy old house, like a Victorian <laughs> mansion that looks very overgrown. And kids throughout the years, even when like Brad and and Shira were growing up, would sort of dare each other to go inside the house or try to knock on the door. And the rumor was it was there was a creepy old woman who lived there that the kids called the Bat Lady. (laughs) And uh, we do pretty quickly see her. She's played by Mm -hmm. veteran character actress Tova Feldshu, who (laughs) listeners may know from The Walking Dead. And she looks creepier than she does in real life. And uh, (laughs) is very cryptic and odd. So there's this mystery of something that happened to Brad, Mickey's dad, when he was growing up, either at the Bat Lady's house or near it, or somebody dared him to go in. And there is a missing kid from Brad's growing up um, that was on Brad's Little League team who disappeared 
either at the house or near the house or there's something there and he was never found. So it seems like Ashley is maybe another victim of this, um, but we don't know Hmm. totally, or at least I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no one knows. We still don't know in episode three, I'll tell you that. Okay. Yeah, there was also this, like, didn't he go missing for a little bit? Brad, yeah. Brad, yeah. But I don't think it was for very long. I I felt like it was the same night or something. Yeah, like, I don't think it was very long, but he... Basically, he came back and this other kid didn't. And I think then when the kids start to investigate, this all comes up Mm -hmm. from what happened, you know, 30 years ago. And they're trying to figure out if it's connected to Ashley's disappearance and all that stuff. And along the way, this weird bald guy in sunglasses starts stalking the kids. Mm Mm-hmm. So you see him first taking a picture of Ashley and someone tells him to grab her or something like that. And then Mm -hmm. she goes missing. And then like the kids start seeing him following them. So you're like, what's up with this? And when they, (laughs) I actually thought it was a little bit funny that they were like, wait, like a couple days or a couple weeks after Ashley goes missing, they're like, wait, we never checked her locker. Like, (laughs) Why didn't we check that first? Mm -hmm. And when they do, it's empty. And they check the security footage because Spoon is like, you know, a computer guy too. Bald guy has cleaned out her locker like in the middle of the night, has taken everything in it. And there's also a a butterfly motif going on. So Mm -hmm. Ashley's locker the first day had this butterfly like sort of carved into the locker the inner locker door mm-hmm. and mickey was like oh someone left you art but then butterflies kind of start appearing in other weird places and mickey remembers mm-hmm. that like a specific blue butterfly that has a name that they said that i don't remember what it was and <laughs> mickey remembers that it was on the paramedic working on his dad at the crash scene and mm-hmm. Ema, like at the end of episode one, Ema's like, wait. And she takes off, or like she pulls aside her shirt and she's got a butterfly t- tattoo on her back shoulder. And then, mm-hmm. and in episode two, you do find out that hers is temporary and they go to her tattoo artist and they ask the tattoo artist about this butterfly and like where they got the inspiration and all that stuff. And the tattoo artist lies mm-hmm. and says they oh it's just this it's just this thing I saw, but then you realize that later on they have this book of tattoos and the butterfly is in it and they burn it mm-hmm. and you're like ooh so I don't know what's going on with all the butterflies <laughs> yeah yeah but it's really it's twisty and interesting and yeah we actually I lied. I do know a little bit about, about the butterflies that come into episode three. Oh, okay. And it, it dovetails <laughs> with the history teacher, Mrs. Friedman, who's played by a veteran character actress, Dee Dee Khan. <laughs> from, from Greece. <laughs> also from Shining Time Station. Shining Time Station, Benson. Yeah, she seems very like 
chill and fine for a while, but she keeps like looking up stuff on her computer and it seems very <laughs> sus. Yes. So, yeah. There are a lot of threads going on. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of surprises in the first three episodes. There are a lot of things to keep you watching. Oh, I we forgot to mention that like we're big fans of these Harlan Coben series and all mm-hmm. of the previous ones have been about adults. Mm-hmm. And like I knew this was coming out. I didn't know much about it. Mm-hmm. Like I clocked it a couple months ago or something and I forgot mm-hmm. about it. And then our friend Rachel was like, hey, new Harlan Coben is out on Prime. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I we went to watch it and I was like, oh, this is about teenagers. I'm not sure how mm-hmm. I'm going to feel about it. <laughs> Yeah, and then within like five minutes, I was sucked in. I was like, "Oh, yeah. I need to know all all of the answers." Yes, but something that I do want to mention is that, like, I was a little bit nervous about the the YA setting because it can get a little bit cliched. Mm-hmm. But something that I really, really enjoyed so far is. Mickey, Spoon, and Ema seem to have really easy, natural chemistry, mm-hmm. and they sort of just gel together as a group, mm-hmm. even though they're all very different, and maybe they wouldn't necessarily seem like they would work on paper, but mm-hmm. their interactions are just funny, mm-hmm. but also enjoyable to watch. Like, you can sort of... Mm-hmm. you could tell that they sort of care about each other already and Mm -hmm. i think that's a really good like heart of the show yeah i agree and i like that they're not they're all a little bit outsidery so -hmm. they're not i mean mickey is kind of handsome but he's also like really sullen and moody and stuff understandably and you know Ema is quirky and weird and spoon is extremely weird (laughs) and so even though it is ya it's not showing the so-called pretty popular people as the heroes. It's not a bunch of like angsting without uh, reason. It's not soap opera-y. Mm-hmm. It's very grounded in this mystery thriller plot, and it feels like an investigation. And so I think that makes it a little different and kind of fun. It feels very like Nancy Drew yeah. or whatever. So I just find that really charming and, you know, it's also, as as silly as some of the mystery plot might end up being, it's also not supernatural that we know of. I don't know. That we know of, yeah. It doesn't he, – that's not usually Coben's thing. Mm-hmm. It's usually something based on family history or secrets or, you know, right. um, some kind of long, long suppressed memory is kind of his jam. Uh, and I think that's what's going on here. Yeah. So – yeah, I like that it's not, you know, I even though I liked Vampire Diaries and, and things like that, it it's not that vibe. It's much more, I think, realistic and imperfect, which yeah. is nice. Yeah. So. And I do think, like, we do see some popular kids, mm-hmm. and maybe they're not cast in the best light at first, mm-hmm. but by episode three you could see some stuff going on underneath and i'm curious to see how they handle all that stuff and Mm -hmm. ima has a little flirtation with a popular girl Mm -hmm. that i think is going to be kind of cute but mickey we we said in the beginning that he was coming to the u.s to play basketball in high school Mm -hmm. he's very good at basketball but he has stopped playing 
Yes. Because of it was something that he shared with his dad. And we do find out, out I'm going to spoil you a little bit for episode three, but we do find out that, <laughs> that Shira was actually a good basketball player too, oh, okay. as well as his uncle Myron, whom we haven't mm-hmm. seen. And now I'm curious about that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I... I, I don't know if it's because of rights with this other right maybe <laughs> yeah. other TV show, but <laughs> we don't know if we'll see him. Right. Although I have a theory, okay. I have another theory about that, okay. which I'll tell you okay. off mic. I got wait. I gotta finish my thought though. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. But but Mickey does not play basketball currently, and one of the popular mm-hmm. kids is a basketball player and sort of challenges him in the first or second episode. Mm-hmm. So it's easy to see that Mickey could be popular mm-hmm. like he could be an athlete and he could be at the at the you know the higher rungs of the social ladder mm-hmm. so i'm kind of curious to see where all that goes and how it all ends up but mm-hmm. there are some interesting things going on with particularly sage and and troy also a little bit mm-hmm. that i think might come into play later in the series yeah and there's something up with shira and Troy's mom and dad. Mm-hmm. There's some kind of past history there. I also want to say this, it makes it have more in common with something like Buffy, where you do have a couple of characters who could have been or were quasi popular, but because of, you know, dark events that they get embroiled in, they are outcasts. Or Yellow Jackets, you know, has an imperfect teens who are not Instagram models and stuff and are obviously under great duress and stress yeah perhaps worse than in this show well not even perhaps definitely (laughs) worse definitely worse (laughs) so yeah i i find it really suspenseful and enjoyable and i can't wait to watch episode three and beyond but yeah we were a little both of us were a little like "Er, ya but then (laughs) it was immediately compelling so i think i think that ya as a genre is interesting in books and in you know TV and movies and stuff, I think there's been off and on backlash against it, mm-hmm. or maybe more particularly backlash against adults consuming it, even though the audience for young adult media is actually demographically more adults than people of that age group. Yeah. So, like, why do you think that is, for one thing? Um, and then what is your sort of a relationship with YA media? Yeah. So I think more people read it than just teenagers because i mean it's easy to read they're sort of designed to be read quickly mm-hmm. and have highly what's the word i'm looking for just highly consumable plots and characters i think mm-hmm. so it's much easier for me to read a ya book than it is for me to read an adult book. Not much easier. I mean, it's not like teenagers are stupid. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> but the, the language tends to be a little bit simpler and a little bit faster. They, you want them to be page turners, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, I could be wrong because I'm not a YA expert, but I think that Twilight really kicked that off. For some reason, mm-hmm. women in their 40s and 30s and 50s just kind of really loved it Mm -hmm. and also that's when it sort of became more openly like yes women are reading young adult fiction and i Mm -hmm. assume that some men read it too i'm not sure Mm -hmm. 
So, yeah, I don't really know. I can't speak for other people, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not sure what draws them to it. Mm -hmm. But do you have any thoughts about that? Yeah. And I mean, some of my favorite series, like The Hunger Games, Mm. you know, those are technically YA and bleeding into new adult and stuff. And, you know, even though it's now, you know, more problematic, like Harry Potter started as middle grade and then went into YA as it as it went on. Um, And I think a lot of people who just like the genre of fantasy fiction were drawn to that, especially just seeing how popular it was. And probably some curious parents read it because their kids were reading it and then it just kind of blew up. Mm -hmm. And I was a full grown, full adult when all of those came out. So I never read them as as a preteen and teenager. So I think a lot of it too, yeah, it's a, it's a little bit about the cross genre thing. So if there's a YA, if you like dystopian sci-fi, you might be like, oh, well, this is blowing up and it's pretty short. So instead of reading a, you know, thousand page each 10 book tr- series, yeah. I'm going to read The Hunger Games because I can get them done in a summer yeah. or even a month, you know, and it's easily digestible and compelling and they are usually written in present tense which can have an immediacy Mm -hmm. to it that feels very you know driving the story forward and whatnot yeah and a lot of the the whole idea of of a coming-of-age novel the the concept of what's called a bildungsroman is somebody is on the precipice of a huge thing and if it's genre fiction too it's going to be literally like you're the chosen one you know whatever (laughs) but even if it's just like a a young adult romance novel that can still be like this really, really relatable, frustrating time. And, you know, Mickey is at this period where he's still a teenager, but he's already had all these horrible adult things happen to him with his dad dying and his mom having a lot of mental illness. So he's had to grow up a little bit faster. And there's that dichotomy and frustration between your experiences sort of aging you right? And mm-hmm. and making you be forced to grow up really quickly. And you've got to figure out if you're sort of moving forward or if you're sort of going to maybe quote unquote heal and be more of a normal teen again, but maybe you know too much and you can't. So it's kind of that, you know, the growing pains of teenagerhood writ larger yeah. because something has caused that to be even bigger. And I do think, t- I mean, the majority of YA novels are still written by adults. Mm-hmm. So it's also too like, you know, an adult has been a teen, so they <laughs> they yeah. at least know or try to remember what it was like and it's still relatable to them. Not every teen is going to want to read a book about an 80-year-old person because they don't have that experience yet. Yeah. But an 80-year-old person used to be 15. So Right. Yeah. So I think it's just kind of continually relatable and I think there is too a little bit of like Maybe as an adult reader, you want to sort of go back to a simpler time and like, if it's a lower stakes book, oh, to be so young that the worst thing that could happen to me is that I put the wrong note in the wrong locker or something, (laughs) or I got dared to go to the scary house on Halloween. Yeah. But your problems when you're older are much worse. (laughs) That's true. But you brought up something in there that I liked. I don't know exactly how you phrased it, but... Yes, they do have teenagers and, you know, teenage protagonists do tend Mm -hmm. to have smaller problems that they blow up into big ones, but they're Mm -hmm. very emotionally vulnerable. They Mm -hmm. have big emotions 
And I think actually being an adult and reading stuff like that helps us tap into those emotions a little bit more because we we Mm kind of tend to mute stuff and out of necessity Mm -hmm. too. the world is very busy and, you know, we don't have time to be like, oh, I am going to freak out because I, I don't know, I texted the wrong person and they don't like me back mm-hmm. or whatever mm-hmm. um, while I have this job stuff going on and like I have a project due at work tomorrow and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think it's maybe just kind of nice to tap into that again and be like, oh, remember when, yeah, like who asked me to prom felt like the biggest thing in the world. Mm-hmm. That just might be nice to tap into that emotionality again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I also think that even though we think of getting through your teenage years and your early 20s, then you're kind of like, okay, you're an adult now, you're done. Like, that's not a realistic way it really works either. <laughs> right. We have, you know, a bunch of different periods of our lives and phases and decades that we go through and, and like reinventions and stuff. And I think sometimes it can feel very inspirational to see somebody going through maybe an earlier stage of that and kind of coming out the other side with a better understanding of what they want out of life. And it might inspire an even older person to say, you know, maybe it's still possible and, and I can still dream and, you know, and that it's okay to like shake things up and rediscover yourself. And I think especially the new adult genre has a little, even more of that and can also be kind of inspiring to people of all ages. And that's usually things that the characters are a little bit older than in YA, that they're early 20s, maybe even into mid to late 20s. And you're still doing that coming of age stuff, but it may be bigger. In that category, I read more romance novels. So it might be that you're coming out. It might be that you're getting your first big job. It might be that you're waffling between career and family. So some of those might be even more relatable to someone fully in adulthood, but you're still youthful enough that it seems like a bigger deal when you make those decisions. Mm -hmm. And I don't see as many of those that are supernatural or have to do with genre fiction. They're they're a little bit more, I feel like, grounded in, you know, rom-com kind of genre, but that might be just, again, what I read. But I, I find those even more fun. Actually, no, I take it back. There is a <laughs> there is a vampire paranormal series that I've read that's set at that age group. But um uh yeah, but it's especially these like a romance novel where someone falls for someone that they really didn't think was their type mm-hmm. and they're learning about, well, what what does that mean that I'm attracted to that person and, and whatnot. So yeah. So I think that can still be appealing because you're always rediscovering yourself throughout your entire life. And so focusing on these very impactful liminal moments, turning points is interesting. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I don't currently read a lot of YA. Mm-hmm. I have a bit of a fraught relationship with it. <laughs> Mo- well, as a fantasy author, because, okay, there is a phenomenon in literature where if you are a woman writing fantasy Mm -hmm. people automatically assume it's young adult yeah and that's not cool (laughs) right not that there's anything wrong with young adult Mm -hmm. but there are certain markers that come with Mm -hmm. ya fantasy that is not always in adult fantasy Mm -hmm. and it is 
much easier to find female protagonists in young adult fantasy, which is great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it's often accompanied by romance. Mm-hmm. And often, even in those cases, it's accompanied by a love triangle. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. Love triangles continue to be the thing in YA fantasy, or just YA in general. And I mm-hmm. don't like them. <laughs> I'm not a huge fan of them either. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And when I say I, I like things or I don't like things, it doesn't mean that they're good or bad. It just means that I don't like them. Mm-hmm. And I've read a lot of them. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> and I respect people who do love that stuff. But mm-hmm. yeah, I'd much rather read fantasy without a lot of romance. Like, yeah. if I want romance in a book, I generally just go and read a romance book. Right, right. Sure. Yeah. And so it's been really hard to find YA fantasy without romance. And that's been frustrating for me. Mm-hmm. And then again, it's been like to add on to that, it's been hard to find adult fantasy with female protagonists. And it's mm-hmm. been hard to find those without romance, too. So I'm yeah. like, where's I just want strictly fantasy <laughs> well you're writing that so yes. if somebody is out there looking for exactly what you're talking about they should look to your books <laughs> yes and many people have been like you need to add more romance to this and i'm like no oh, no you don't have to even people at school well especially people at school oh so they were like make it more marketable it's clear that these two people like each other make it more romantic and i'm like no <laughs> that's not what i want to write yeah So I don't read a lot of YA right now because it's not what I'm looking for. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean I don't respect it as a genre Mm -hmm. or haven't read a lot in the past. The Hunger Games remains one of my favorite book series of all time. It's so good. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Also, also actually, my favorite fantasy series is a YA series, technically. The Mm. Queen's Thief by Megan Whelan Turner, which I've definitely talked about before. Yeah, yeah. Uh, So that's technically YA. And The Hunger Games does technically have a love triangle in it, though. You're right, it does. But it's not as annoying as some of them can be. It's not as as much of a focus. No. Like, Katniss is very much (laughs) not focused on romance. And I think Mm -hmm. that is what makes it different. Mm Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, the boys like her, but she's just like, I want to survive and live. So I don't have time for this. <laughs> right, right. Um, so it makes it different. Yeah. And I feel like some of it was shoehorned a little because I, it doesn't feel like it. I feel like it could lift right out. You mm. know? So I wonder if if Suzanne Collins was told something similar to what you've been told. And she went ahead and went, oh, fine. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, I don't think it could be lifted right out, actually. Oh, really? You don't think so? Well, just because of how it affects PETA and Katniss's, oh. their experience in the games. That's true. Yeah, okay. that PETA's like, I came here with the girl I liked. <laughs> 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 and But what about the baby? <laughs> so anyway. Uh. Well, that's, yeah. a, that's a conversation for another day. I think so. But yeah, if you if people out there have good YA books without a lot of romance to recommend me, mm-hmm. I would absolutely take those re- recommendations. <laughs> yeah. But I do think adults who read a lot of YA get a lot of 
flack for it. Mm-hmm. And I think one of our big messages here, or at least my message would be, <laughs> don't let them get you down. And also don't give people a bunch of hard time for what they like to read. Yeah. You know, I think reading is good. So whatever you want to read, it's all good. That is a controversial message. Reading is good. Reading is good. Yeah, I would say the same thing. You know, me, my thing is always you do you. Mm -hmm. So even though I personally am not picking up YA right now, Mm -hmm. if you are and you're enjoying it, that's awesome. Read more of what you like. Yes. I love that for you. Mm -hmm. Don't recommend it to me. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) But if if somebody has a, you know, diamond out there that they think you diamond in the rough that they think you would (laughs) especially be connected with you know yeah give you that wreck that's great don't let me not reading YA keep you from reading it right yeah you're not yucking anybody's yum yeah exactly yeah yeah you know maybe I'll go pick up Harlan Coben's first book in this series (laughs) yeah it's just a three book series it seems like it's wrapped up so it might be a quick little little journey and then you'll get spoiled for season two of this show yeah i will you know what i might do that and i'll give you an update in a few weeks okay cool (laughs) so as a reminder of where you can find shelter it is streaming on amazon prime with three or four episodes out right now when this airs and more to come And next time, we'll be talking about more great pop culture stuff. So be sure to join us soon. And I think we're on back to a more regular release schedule. But if if things change, we'll let you know. (laughs) That's right. Our theme music is by Joseph McDade. You can find our website at PositivelyPopCulture.com. And from there, you can find the link to our merch store. And you can also email us at PositivelyPopCulture at gmail.com. And please rate and review the show wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Stay healthy and safe and join us next time for another episode of Pause Pop.